Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to the Gospel of John? My name is Pastor Chris. If you're new here to Evangel, I'm, I'm glad that you're here today. I know God has something special in store for us, and I don't believe it's an accident that you showed up this Sunday. Um, and so I'm just, I'm thankful that you're a part of it. We are wrapping up a series of messages entitled Viral. And uh, what the, the theme behind this, this series of messages is we think about all these things we see online and on social media, how they have the power to go viral, meaning that they reach out far and wide. And sometimes you could watch a video and you realize that there's five or 10 million other people that have watched that video. And maybe it's only a week old. That's going viral. Um, when you go back in history, though, 2,000 years ago, this thing that we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, was some of the key information that went viral in the very beginning. It went viral. It spread far and wide, and so many lives were changed as a result of it. Here's what I know, that that wasn't just for then. Then the same time today, as you and I live, the good news of Jesus needs to go out far and wide. There's so many people that need to hear about the hope that we have in Jesus. And I want you to know, many are in our own lives, or in our own backyards, or in our own families. And God wants to use us to make a difference in their lives. Are you with me? Come on, that's it. That's the heart behind it. And I'm thankful for this series. We've heard reports of people that have, you've led some of your family, your friends. Um, you've helped them to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Church, can we celebrate that in this season, what God's doing? So you're in John chapter 4. This is a passage of scripture. Normally, a lot of time is spent on the first 26 verses. Um, of this passage of John 4, and it tells a story about a woman uh, at a well in Samaria, and Jesus who's there waiting for her when she arrives. And Jesus really, as a Jewish man, wasn't supposed to be in Samaria. This wasn't a place Jewish people normally found themselves. In fact, they went to great lengths to avoid going into Samaria. They were a people that they didn't like. They didn't associate with each other. But Jesus, the Bible says, had to go through Samaria. You know why? Because we have a God who's willing to go to the places no one else wants to go to rescue people that no one else wants to rescue or to know because that's his heart. That's his love. That he, he reaches wider and further than we could ever imagine. So Jesus leads his disciples into Samaria. Shortly after getting there, a little footnote that we don't normally pick up on in that first part of the passage, it says that his disciples kind of desert him there. They leave, and they're like, you know what? Uh, we're going to go get some food. We'll be back in a little while. So they leave. They go looking for some food. They're hungry. They figure Jesus should have some food as well. So they, they go off. But there's a divine appointment that Jesus is waiting on. There's, there's someone there who had been written off by the community, who had a jaded and, and shady past. And she shows up, and through an exchange, her life has changed forever. She realizes that Jesus is the one that's been promised, that Jesus wasn't just a man, and he wasn't just a prophet. He was the Son of God, the one God promised would one day come to save the people from their sins. And when that happened, it changed everything in her life. And we pick up here in verse 27, and it's when the disciples first come back. And they just come back from their out getting food and they show up and they show up to a pretty awkward scene. It's Jesus speaking with a woman and they're both by themselves having this conversation. She's Samaritan, he's Jewish. There's kind of all kinds of tension in this moment and the disciples recognize it immediately. You'll see it right here in the text starting in verse 27. Here's what it says. It says, just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. 
But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Now, they weren't going to go that far to ask him about it. As soon as she sees them and this encounter happens, look what happens in the next verse. Verse 28 says, then leaving her water jar, that's why she came to get some water. But something so much greater than that happened in her life. The Bible says, the woman went back to town and she said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? It says they came from their town and they made their way toward Jesus. So as they're on their way towards Jesus, there's a conversation that's happening. It says, meanwhile, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. And Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. You love how Jesus speaks of these kind of riddles to them. They're kind of figuring, what? What's he talking about? So the disciples said to each other, could someone else have brought him food? She said, let me make it clear. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. I love this phrase here. What Jesus is saying is what fulfills me isn't the same thing that fulfills you. But my fulfillment comes by doing the will of God who sent me. Can you say that today? Man, where do we find our fulfillment? That's another message for another time. Let's get back to here. And Jesus says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months till harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He says, the harvest is right in front of you. You see, these men, they had been walking around and they're seeing all kinds of lives changed everywhere. But they continually avoided Samaria. They, they didn't want to be in Samaria. There was no desire to be there. Their relationship with the Samaritans could be viewed as really a hatred of them. And I know that's a strong word, but that's, that would be an accurate word if you look back and you see the context of what's going on here. But where they could only see a hatred, Jesus sees a harvest. I want you to know that today. That where you see problems and trouble and all kinds of challenges, the Lord sees a harvest. And he invites you into it as one of his followers. That you could be a part of what he's doing. Jesus said, I need you to change your perspective. Because there's a harvest coming. It's not four months from now, it's right now. Because you know what happens? In a short period of time, all those people from the town come. And it says many of them put their faith in Jesus. And they even say to themselves, surely this man really is the Savior of the world. We don't just believe it because of what the woman says. We've seen for ourselves. Harvest. Harvest. A whole group of people, their eternities changed forever. Because Jesus saw the harvest, even when those closest to him couldn't. And he's continually inviting us to change our perspective. Because, church, we need to learn what it means to see the harvest. Lord Jesus, help us open our eyes today to see as you see. Would you just pray this prayer with me right now? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And would you just pray this out loud? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help me to see like you. Help me to have a heart like you and help me to walk in obedience to what you reveal in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is what happens here. Jesus tells them, you need to learn to see the harvest. Change your perspective. 
when we can do that. Because you know what happens so often in time? We have a problem. Our first problem is the way we view the world, the way we view people. And because of that, it creates so many walls in our lives, so many challenges. I'm reminded of a story um, that goes back some years. Uh, it goes back decades, in fact. Every Christmas season, and don't you know that at the end of this week, uh, we're going to begin and really kick off. We're going to be just running towards Christmas and, and the end of the year. I mean, has anyone else been asking this question to yourself? Where did 2017 go? What is going on? Can we like, can we slow this down at all? Is, am I the only one that feels that way? More than last year, the year before, it feels like we are just on a freight train to the end of this year. It's going quickly. And as we come to the end of the year, I'm reminded of stories that I hear at this time of the year, things that warm my heart. And for decades, and some of you have heard this story before a bit, but there was a, a man that went around, and he would give out $100 bills to people. And he was called himself a secret Santa. And he gave out $100 bills. He'd show up to the homeless. He'd show up to people in desperate situations. He'd just find them, and he'd just give them a $100 bill. And this man would travel, it was normally around Mississippi and in Missouri and in different places, and, and he would just do this. And, and word of him spread. It was almost like an urban legend. No one knew who he was, but this was the, sh the look on so many people's faces as, as he showed up. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And he would just hand them a couple hundred dollar bills and just bless them. Well, in 2006 going into 2007, this man came down with cancer that was terminal. And it was only then that he made his identity known. And as he made his identity known, um, he was able to share with people who, who really didn't want anything else but to know who he was so they could thank him. Um, they wanted to be able to know who he was. His name was Larry Stewart. Larry Stewart was a man who had a difficult and challenging past. He wasn't just a wealthy man who could go around giving $100 bills to people. If you had known him a few decades earlier, um, it would have been a whole different story. You see, there was a time in 1971 when Larry was so down on his luck, he was so challenged in every single way that he didn't even have enough money to pay for food. He didn't know where his next meal was coming from. And in desperation, as he's sitting in Houston, Mississippi, his life is kind of feeling like it's falling apart. He walks into a diner. It's called the Dixie Diner. He goes in and he sits down to eat a breakfast and he has no way of paying for the meal. And he sits there and I think in his moment of desperation, he's like, I'm just going to eat this meal and I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to kind of run and I mean, that's it. I mean, I don't know where else I could turn. He orders this meal. He orders this, this big breakfast. He's eating it. And just then the owner takes notice. So there's something about his behavior that, that kind of catches on with the owner. He's probably acting nervous, but the owner's name is Ted Horn. And Ted notices. Maybe it was the disheveled look that he had. Whatever it is, it kind of caught his eye. And sometimes what you do if you recognize there's someone that's kind of a threat or they're going to do something, they're going to be a problem. I mean, you could do a few things. You could alert the waitress or waiter and say, listen, I need you to keep a close eye on him. Uh, let's lock the door. Let's get the police ready. Let's do whatever we're going to do. Ted does something completely different. He walks up behind this guy. He kneels down on the ground pulls a $20 bill out of his pocket, stands up and taps on the shoulder and says, sir, I think you dropped this on the ground. The guy looks at him, he's like, he said, take it. Pay for your meal. 
This guy pays for his meal. He leaves. He's sitting outside in tears, realizing what has just happened for me. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know where I was going to turn, and, and I have this now. He said in that moment, he prayed a prayer. He said, God, if you ever give me the ability to have any kind of wealth, let me do for others what that man did for me. Let me do for others what that man did for me. Fast forward, over three decades later, he had given away $1.3 million at Christmas time, over $100,000 every Christmas season and $100 bills. He didn't want to be known. It was only because his life was coming to an end that he, he finally revealed his identity in 2007 and passed away shortly after that. But you go all the way back, because you could look at all the amazing work and the story of, of what, what's happened in Larry's life. But I'm always interested in the story behind the story. One guy being willing to kneel down and see a problem and, and do something so outside of the box as to give him a $20 bill that started this whole thing up, that started on a journey. And I want you to know, Sometimes you'd be amazed to know that if God would prompt you to do something, your simple act of obedience could have a ripple effect that touches and reaches so many people far beyond whatever you thought was possible. It's all about our obedience in those moments. It's all about following those promptings when they happen. It's all about seeing past sometimes the problems of what's really going on under the surface and the opportunity that we have to be a part of it. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 9, if you have your Bibles open. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus continues to come back around because he wants to challenge the way that his followers are seeing. He wants to challenge our perspective today from his word. Jesus is looking out, he's moving around, he's ministering to the, to the multitudes. There are many that are sick, there are many that are diseased, there are many that are struggling with all kinds of things. Most of the people that were drawing near to Jesus were the same people that everyone else had pushed to the fringes of society. They were the unlovables, the untouchables, they were those that no one wanted anything to do with. They were the problem people. But then they draw near to Jesus and he receives them. Not only does he receive them, he heals them. He sets them free. Their lives are changed. But we get a glimpse into Scripture, into the heart of Christ in these verses of Scripture. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let's stop right there says they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is going around healing. He's going around ministering. He's going around touching all these lives. But again, these were many of them problem people, but he didn't see them that way. He saw them with a heart of compassion. This word compassion is a very powerful word. It's one that, that kind of grabs you. It's, it means from the, from the depths of your gut, of your being, Jesus felt this deep sense of love towards them. And he saw them differently than the rest of the world. He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. He saw them as lost. He saw them as broken. But he saw them as needing a loving shepherd that would lift them up and that would save them and rescue them and bring them back. It harkens back to the Old Testament, to a prophet named Ezekiel. And when God spoke through him, this is one passage of what was said from the heart of God. It says this. It says, you have not strengthened the weak. This is Ezekiel 34, 
4 through 6. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. See, the Lord speaking or rebuking the leaders of that time, the religious leaders said, you haven't gone after the lost. You have ruled over them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. When they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. They were lost. They were helpless. They had nothing. And when Jesus looked, he sees that same image. But how many of you know there's a name that Jesus goes by? It's the Good Shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the, good, and the sheep, they learn his voice. And they come in and they find pasture and rest for their souls. Whenever the shepherd shows up, the sheep can find hope. When the shepherd shows up, they can be bound up and they can find healing. And they can find everything they need. And Jesus looked out. He didn't see problems. He saw sheep. He saw potential. He saw beyond what the world could see, and he saw the hearts of people that were distressed and hopeless. I want you to know, when the Lord looked and saw me years ago, that's what he saw. And when he saw you, you may have thought you had your world all together, but many of us, we know when we came to the Lord, we came very humbly, right? We were harassed and helpless, but aren't you so thankful for a good shepherd that loves you? That isn't, hasn't given up on you, that has gone to great lengths to save you and to rescue you. Jesus saw past our problems. He saw our potential. He truly saw what we could become, not just what we were. I'm so thankful that my life isn't marked by my past, but it's marked by Jesus now that I know him. And Jesus wants his people to see the same way. Look what he says in verse 37 of Matthew chapter 9. He said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He said, look at the harvest all around us. See, these are people, they're sheep, but there's also a great harvest. There's so much potential here. There's so many lives that need to come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said, look at the fields. Look out around you. The harvest is plentiful. I want you to know and I want you to hear the voice of Jesus when you walk out of your house each day and you walk into some of the places. Some of you walk into New York City and you see people all around. There's stuff that, you, you know, that, that discourages you and there's things. What if you could just hear the voice of God that just says, look at the fields. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. When you go into places that you never have expected before, but there are people that don't yet know Jesus in those places, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. For a farmer in those days, some of you would think, what's the most, what's the most devastating thing that a farmer could experience? And you'd say, no crops, right? <clears throat> There's something even more devastating than that. It would be to have fields full of crops with no one to harvest it. Because he has to sit there and watch all that potential fall to the ground and die. That breaks the heart of a farmer. I want you to know that if we can just get a glimpse into that, it breaks the heart of our God to know that there are fields that are ripe for harvest and there just aren't enough people stepping into it. There are enough people that are seeing it, but not enough people that are doing something about it. So Jesus is, it's on his heart as he's speaking to his followers he didn't say the task is too big. He didn't say the powers of sin are too great. He didn't say the work is too hard. He said the workers are too few. 
There are too few people willing to put their hand to the harvest and do something about it. And so Jesus is speaking to them. And here's what he says in verse 38. He said, the, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. You've heard this verse before, amen? You've heard this before. And you pray, and when you're praying, you're saying, God, from this body, raise up a missionary and send them to China and raise up another and send them here. And we say yes and amen. Send a team to Haiti and we're going to get so excited. But Jesus is speaking to a group of people that are there. And I want you to know something, that when he says pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field, he's not just talking about those people. He's not just talking about the fields in other continents and other countries. I love what Jesus does because we often end the reading right here thinking, well, this is the close of a chapter. This is the end of a thought. But the Bible in its original writing did not have chapters and verses. And let's go right to the very next verse in chapter 10, verse 1. And look what it says here. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. He tells the same people he tells, pray that the Lord's going to send some workers into the harvest field. Okay, now come on. You're those workers. It's time to go. It says, he summoned them. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of sickness and disease. And he sent them. He commissioned them. He said, now you go. You're going to be the workers that go into the harvest. I believe that Jesus has not just given us the ability to perceive or see the harvest. He's given us also the power to seize the harvest. I want you to know that we can sit here and we can talk about seeing the harvest all day, but until someone steps up and seizes it, there's nothing of good of value that happens. We pray, but as we pray, I believe this, that as God sends his spirit, it's to send us into the harvest. And I want you to know that's not a professional thing that you need to put on LinkedIn. That's not something that's just for some people that reach that place and get that job title. It is the responsibility the calling of everyone that has called upon the name of Jesus to be a worker in his field, to step into the harvest, to not just see the harvest, but to seize the harvest. Are you with me, church? He says in verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus is on the move. He says, go into the harvest. He hasn't just given us a perspective to see the harvest. He's given us the power to seize the harvest, to put our hands to what God is doing and desiring to do. Here's how I know that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. Come on, somebody. And even to the ends of the earth. You're going to go to all these places and you're going to step into the harvest fields to seize the harvest. Somebody say it with me. Seize the harvest. This is what Jesus is calling us to. You and I, we have a part to play in the harvest. Just last year, I'm looking through the news, and I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh originally. I love the sports teams. I love everything about Pittsburgh uh, growing up there. But something caught my attention. Because there's a secret Santa last December 2016 that was going around stores in Pittsburgh dressed in red, handing out $100 bills again. You say, is there a copycat? 
you're trying to figure, you know, try to figure out what's going on. I find out that for the last several years, seven, eight, nine years, there's been someone going around dressed in the same way that Larry Stewart was dressed, handing out $100 bills in the same way that he handed them out. And no one knows the identity of this person, but when someone caught up with him, when he was doing it, they said, who are you? He said, I'm a friend of Larry's, and Larry gave me the mission to carry on the work after I've died and gone. And now they've reached over $2 million that's been going out all around people far and wide. What an honor, I mean, to think about that, right? But I want you to know something today. The tears that are shed, the, the amount of gratitude that is felt, the amount of privilege that one would sense that they've been given this awesome responsibility. Church, it pales in comparison to knowing this, that the God of the universe has tapped us on the heart and has said, you go in and carry on the ministry and the mission that I left you with. And I'm going to give you all the resources of heaven to see it happen. I've given you everything you need. And I want you to know, man, lives are being changed because of a couple hundred dollars being handed to a single mother in a grocery store. How much more when someone can come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, when someone can find freedom from a drug addiction, when someone can find a brand new life and forgiveness in Christ, what an amazing gift that is. It's the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. In church, we get the opportunity, Jesus says, to go and to step into that and to be a part of it. Come on up, Pastor Rick. Church, that's what viral has been all about. It's about seizing the harvest. It's about us stepping out and through our life and our story, carrying on the mission, living out the mission that Jesus has left us with. It's taking seriously the words and the calling of Jesus to not just see the harvest, but to seize the harvest, but to put our hands to the plow and the work that he has for us to help introduce people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. He's given you everything you need, church. He's given you a story. He's given you a life that has been changed. He's given you opportunity after opportunity. We've encouraged you through this series to consider people in your own life, maybe five people in your life that don't yet know Jesus, and to hear stories about how now some of them are coming to know Jesus through your relationship with, with them. That's viral. That's seizing the harvest. That's seeing Jesus changing lives, doing what he's always done. And we're going to continue because I just know that there are many that are going to come to know Jesus through this season. It's already begun. I know that in our last three services, over 50-some people have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Isn't that amazing? We have people that are going to be baptized that have just put their faith in the Lord. But this is just the beginning, church. This is just the beginning of what God is desiring to do in this season. And it's not just for me. It's for all of us. I had the privilege of sitting across from someone this week Someone's very close with my family. Someone we've been praying for for years and years and years. And God drew them. And they said, God did this thing and confirmed that I had to come and talk to you. And I got to sit not as a pastor, but just as a friend and sat across from them. And I got to lead them in a prayer to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm believing God to change their life completely. That's what God's called us to. 
He hasn't called the gospel just to be preached on platforms and stages. He's called the gospel to be preached and shared with every person that is a follower of Jesus Christ. That's your opportunity. That's your calling. Seize the harvest. Step into it. Make room in your life to engage with people and to help them come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're going to give you some opportunities. We're, we're doing something different this Christmas season that we haven't done before. And I'm just believing this is an opportunity for us to open our doors very wide to our community, to our neighbors, to the people in your very life, your friends, your family, your neighbors. You have people that you would invite to, to, to come to church and they're just not very open to that. But I want you to know that if they could come to some other kind of setting that was a little less threatening for them, that that might open the door for them to take another step forward towards Jesus. So this Christmas season, we're going to be hosting our first ever Evangel Christmas Festival. And what we're going to have with this is going to be a live nativity in our front lawn. We're going to have animals uh, in kind of a petting zoo format. We're going to have live music outside. We're going to have food and kind of food trucks lined up. We're going to have activities for children. It's all going to be on our campus on Friday, the 22nd of December, and then on Saturday, the 23rd of December. And we're believing for our community to come out. We're believing for you to invite friends and neighbors and loved ones to come out. In fact, I have cards at the end of all your pews. If you could just grab that stack of cards and begin to pass it down, we want to um, give you some of these things to hold on to. Take as many as you would like to hand out to some friends, neighbors, co-workers. This is a great event and activity to come and just introduce people. Give them a first step towards Jesus this Christmas season. And as people come on Friday or Saturday, we're also believing that they'll be willing to come back on Christmas Eve for one of our three services. We're going to be having our Christmas Eve services on Sunday the 24th at 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and then 6 o'clock p.m. Three identical services. And at each of those services, we're going to be giving people a chance to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The greatest gift this Christmas. Amen. Amen. How many of you believe with me for God to bring a great harvest, for God to do a great work through our hands? Don't just look at it, church. Put your hands to it. Sign up. Be a part of this. Take these in your hand and begin to hand them out. Ask God to put them into the hands of people that you've been praying for. Invite them to come and be a part of this. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to close in a word of prayer. But before I do that, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I may be talking to someone today that you've never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As you hear about that, you realize that's something you've never done. You alone know if you have peace with God today. Here's what I know, that the greatest decision I ever made was to turn away from my past and away from my sin, away from the things that separated me from God and to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Jesus came, he was born, that's why we celebrate Christmas, but he also died for our sins. That's what we remember as we come into the Easter season. And not only did he die, he rose again three days later. And what we celebrate is Easter Sunday. He rose from the grave and he gives us a brand new life to anyone who would call upon his name. And today, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there, there might be some here you've never made a decision to turn to Jesus and to ask him to forgive you of your sins 
and to give you a brand new life. And today, you don't have to be a perfect person to do that. You have to admit and acknowledge your need for him. You have to put your trust in him and you have to desire to follow him with your life. Commit yourself to follow him with your life and he'll lead you and guide you. You will feel his forgiveness and grace. And today, all you have to do is be willing to call upon his name. The Bible says everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if I'm talking to you today and you, you know today you're not right with God, but you want to be, and you desire to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're ready to make that decision right now, don't worry about the person on your left or on your right. This is a moment between you and God. If that is you, I want you just to lift your hand right where you're sitting right now. Amen. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Amen. Praise God. Is there anyone else? Lift your hand up. Praise God. I see you in the balcony. I see you here on the main floor. Amen. Hands are going up around the room right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. If that's you, just keep your hand up for just one more moment. Amen. I'm going to invite you to pray, say this prayer with me right now from the bottom of your heart. And as you pray, just invite the Lord Jesus into your life. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins that separate me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. Come and be Lord of my life. I put all my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with those that said that prayer for the first time today? Maybe someone online. We're so excited for you. Pastor Ron and some of our team is, is in the back, and we'd love to give you a book. So if that's you, just uh, let them know, and, and uh, you can meet him right here as you leave today, and we'd love to give that to you. Let's all stand to our feet right now, and many of you are holding this Evangel Christmas Festival card in your hand. Let's just pray over this right now, and that God would just give us favor, that we would allow uh, those that need to come to Jesus this Christmas season to come and have an experience with him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've called us not just to see the harvest, but to see it, Lord God. Help us to put our hands to the work that you have for us, Lord God. May this be a season of many coming into a life-changing relationship with you, Lord God, as you send us out. Lord, I pray you'd send us now by the power of your Holy Spirit to be the witnesses that you've called and created us to be, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, you can come forward. We'll be glad to meet you up here. If not, uh, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless.